Welcome to the 1% Mindset Podcast, where we know success starts from the shoulders up before it starts from the shoulders down. On this podcast, we talk about the necessary principles it takes to perform at elite levels in all areas of life. So happy you tuned in. Let's get started. We are amazing because our passion is limitless and our drive is intense. Therefore, you will not deny our grind. You are now listening to the Faith Grind Inspire podcast with your host, Gene Alert. Hey, welcome back to another great episode of Faith Grind Inspire podcast. I am your host, Gene Alert, and we're live every Wednesday. And uh, this week, we have a special guest, one of my good friends, and we actually met at uh, Queens Library. Yes. Right? Yes, it was at a library. It was at a library, and um, the library was putting together some of their heavy hitters and trying to work out some things to uh, bring more activity to the library. Mm -hmm. And uh, they had us in this room, and we were brainstorming. And uh, I'm glad that we connected and, uh, you know, and we're here now, right? Yes, yes. So my man Michael Ducille. Right. So the one percent mindset. One percent. Right. Mindset. So it's cool because I love I love your the name of your business and I love your brand because, you know, this show is all about the mindset of entrepreneurs. Right. And so we've always had people come in. They tell their stories, good, bad, indifferent. And um, they 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 talk about their, their their process. They talk about their story. And uh, but a lot of times. No one really wants to talk about the the other parts, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And and so we had a conversation. You were like, yeah, I want to come on. I want to talk about the other side. And I was like, yo, let's do it. So Mike, let's start off. Let's talk about where you're from. Like, tell tell us who you are. Absolutely. Uh, originally born in Brooklyn, New York. I was here till about 13 years old, and you know, I I was the statistic to uh, divorce. Right, my parents got divorced and. Uh, we went to Florida. Me and my mom went to Florida. And my sister and we're there for a little bit. And I think during that piece, and I didn't really understand it at the time, but you know, when you grow up with both parents originally, and then one is kind of taken away, or you don't have that figure, especially that that father figure, you kind of have to grow up fast. So for a while, I I became the man of the house without really understanding how to be the man of the house. You know, typically when you grow up, like you said, and you, you know, you're you're a part of typically a single family home when you you grow up with your mom you kind of learn certain things I was always so reliant on both right you know mom said no sure let me ask dad right kind of playing that game so when they divorced I I it took it took me back a little again at the time I didn't understand but what I did know is I had to learn a lot of things that uh, I didn't know and kind of grow up pretty quickly Um, fast forward you know go to college in in Florida then I said you know, it's time for me to come back to New York, right? So, came back to came back up to New York and kind of started my journey in New York from there. Hmm. Now let's let's go back, right? How do you think? Because you know, being the man of the household without knowing how to really be the man of the household, how do you think, or what did you learn during that process? Uh, it's like a survival instinct, right? Mm-hmm. So, for example. You know, if you go back to like cavemen, right? Yeah. And you study, you study them. They had to figure out how to survive, whether that's 
going and hunting and eating food or, you know, creating a fire to stay warm. It's a survival mechanism that you kind of develop. And I think when I became that man of the household and, you know, my mom was working multiple jobs at the time and mm-hmm. you, you didn't really, you know, I didn't grow up in in poverty, so to speak, or I didn't struggle, so or I didn't feel like I struggled at all growing up when I had both parents. So mm-hmm. to kind of see that other side, uh, I, I guess it was... I had to learn it through survival instincts, right? Just just figuring things out, finding mentorship where I could have just just learning on the go. Were you the oldest child? Or? I was. Oh, yes. Okay. Well, I am. My sister's still, you know, alive and well. So, yeah. yes, I am yeah. the oldest. Yeah. So, so now um you know, uh how do were you do you feel any anger growing up or did you like going to school, you know, that, that that's a good question uh again you know me being the 30 plus year old me now is a little different back then i was right and i didn't know i was mm-hmm. i was i was angry because i saw my mom hurt yeah right? i saw her cry things that i i wasn't used to seeing before so for a while i didn't speak to my dad right and not to say it's no one's right or wrong in the situation at the end of the day they did what's best for both of them and i, I completely respect and love both of them for that but at the time, at I didn't time, understand yeah. it. Right? At the time, you're like, yo, I'm with mom, so that means dad is the enemy. Exactly, right? And, that, <laughs> yeah. and, that, and that's what Mom it was. is crying, dad's the enemy. Exactly. I get it. Yeah. You know, and um, did that affect your schoolwork? It did. It did. Um, I was always pretty good in school. Um, Before, always. while you guys were in New yeah. York. So when the, the divorce was finalized, that was my freshman year in high school. First time ever um, I got my first D, right? First time ever. Got in trouble, right? Of course, uh, because there was no excuse. But that was, I think it was geometry. Was it? I believe it was geometry. Got my first bad grade ever. Uh, but I quickly turned things around. You know, I ended up graduating high school um, with like a three point eight GPA. So you know, I ended up turning things around. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I didn't know how to process it. So I processed it through just not caring, um, not paying attention. You know, stuff like that. Things that I used to cope with. At the time, and again, I didn't understand. You know, I mentioned I didn't understand it because it's real, right? A lot of people people go through stuff mm-hmm. and they don't really understand what's happening, especially at a young age, and they just find mechanisms and ways to try to cope with what they're going through. Exactly. And that was, you know, my way of doing it. Mm. That's deep, man. Thank you for your openness, man. And uh, so you went to college. Uh, when did this entrepreneur bug hit you, um, bite you? <laughs> college, right? So uh-huh. it's funny. I was always the I was always the laughing stock uh, in college amongst my friends because I always try to find these ways to like make money. I remember uh, whether it was through network marketing or these get rich quick schemes. I always try to find a way to facilitate making money without going to work. At the time, you know, back in early t- like it was two thousand six, two thousand seven, I was working like seven dollars an hour, eight dollars an hour, and I was like, yo, this is a bad life, right? I, I knew for I was like, yo, this is a bad life. So. Uh, I, the first thing I did, I remember in college was it was called this gifting program, right? And, and what you had to do was send money to someone, and then, you know, once you send money to that person, then you get approved, and people send money to you. It was this this whole little scheme, really, right? But again, my mentality was I got to figure out ways to make money, so I just try. I was just trying different things with the gifting program, with network marketing, with trying to create something and sell it. 
So I think I've always had that bug in me. Even in high school, I sold candy, right? We didn't have any vending machines. So in in high school, you know, my mom would buy me a box from BJ's and I would, you know, sell them in class and, and make my profit and flip it. So mm-hmm. I've always had that bug in me, um, but I never had necessarily guidance or or structure for me to really make that happen. So, it, I mean, it's always kind of been been in me. Nice. I love it. So what was your, like, first, first like, real business? Um, so my first real business where I made significant money, well, when I say significant is relative, right? So first real business where I made residual income, like month after month, uh, was a network marketing company. And this, at that time, this was my like sec. no, I lied. Before that I did, I sold life insurance, right? So imagine me 20, 22 years old, maybe uh-huh. at the time, no facial this hair. This is in Florida. This is in Florida. Uh-huh. This is my senior year of, of, uh, college and I'm going to someone who's 45, 50 years old, telling them the importance of life insurance and, you know, (laughs) telling them to find their why and what happens if they pass away. And they're looking at me like, you know, what what do you know about it? Right. Because I look like their kid. So but I was able to close a couple deals. And that was the first taste I had of like money, you know, close this deal. I made a thousand dollars here, eight hundred dollars there. And I saw that. Right. It was a lot of cold calling, a lot of hustle. But that was the first time I saw money. Um, quickly doing my own thing. Then fast forward, I did. I hopped into network marketing, and I found I was with this company that's actually no longer in business. But within this company, obviously, you know the kind of pyramid thing behind it. I convinced personally recruited like twenty five plus people into my organization, which is unheard of in network marketing. Really, just speaking to them and finding their passion and their why, and that's when I realized I had a gift of speaking, mm-hmm. a gift of gab. And for that, for multiple, multiple months, I made um, residual money every single month, you know, close to $1,000 every single month, just just kind of doing that, you know, on the side of what I was doing. So that was kind of the first thing that I that I did as far as that made money on my own. Nice, man. So you were doing that and the insurance at the same time? No. No, I did the oh, insurance. You left the insurance. Yeah, I left the insurance. I left the insurance. Um, Why? Um... Mentorship, sustainability, um, passion. I think I, I I realize when you do things, if you're doing it strictly for money, it eventually it wears off, right? It mm-hmm. goes away. And I was selling insurance, and it was just a money ploy for me. Right? I just wanted to make money. And, yeah, I was happy I was helping people, but I didn't love it. Mm-hmm. I didn't love it. And because I didn't love it, when you have a certain amount of bad days or bad weeks— then you start to question if it's even worth it, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what I, I started to it's question real. it. That's real. So after I questioned it, I took a step back. I sold it again for a little, and I was like, nah, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, I got tired of making calls, people canceling appointments, and because my passion wasn't there, I, um, you know, I eventually went on to the next shiny thing, right? This this shiny ball syndrome where you get find the next best mm-hmm. thing and. That's kind of what happened to me. We talked about that a couple of episodes back where you plant a seed here, mm-hmm. you water it a little, and you just pick it up and you move it somewhere else. And it doesn't give it the time to but uh, to actually grow, right? Um, but you said something interesting. If you're not passionate about something, you can't. And you won't let it grow. You see what I'm saying? Because 
it's like two things. It's patience and passion. You know what I mean? Like, but you have to have patience. You have to have passion first, mm-hmm. then to have the patience. If you don't have passion in the area that you're in, you won't be able to have the patience because everything is going to be like, oh, everything's going to annoy you. Exactly. You know? Mm-hmm. So it's important when you hear people talk about, find your passion, find your passion. What are you passionate about? People who made it, people who found their passion already, it's easy for them to say that, but sometimes when your mind is cloudy and you can't focus, you don't know. So like you just said, your your mind, you looked at the next shiny thing. So the next shiny thing was this network marketing thing, and they were just like, yo, bring as many people. If you bring people, you're like, okay, I'll bring 25. Like, And you brought 25, you start making 1,000 a, a month, right, residual, mm-hmm. yep. without doing nothing because your team was doing it. What made you leave that and not grow that? Uh, well, one, that company ended up going out of business. Oh, went right? out of business. <laughs> yeah. okay. Ended up going out of business. Uh, that's, that's a good reason. Yeah. But, you know, I had op- other opportunities to get back into network marketing. And I attribute network marketing to a lot of my growth because it forces you to get better. You want to become a leader mm-hmm. in network marketing or in anything. You have to really focus on personal development and self-development. And it helped me do that. But what I realized... After that business went out or after that company went out of business, mm-hmm. I said to myself, I need to put effort and time into my own thing. I need to grow my own brand because at the end of the day, things will live and die off of what I do. Right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if I if I'm dependent on this network marketing company to to grow like it, it, I'll never be the, the success I want to be. Right. I want things to stand behind my name. I want things to stand behind my brand. And once I have that and that brand is exemplified, then I can do just about anything, whether that's books, shirts, like I can grow what I want to grow once my brand has power behind it. And Mm -hmm. that's why I decided I didn't want to give my power, my talents to a company. I wanted to give it to myself. And I thought that was what was important. That's that's dope. So now what this is all in Florida. This, uh, the network marketing was after I moved back. So insurance, yeah. Okay. So insurance, kind of, it was Florida, and then I kind of transitioned over to. I moved back to New York, and then I started diving into and looking at a couple things. Okay. Yeah. All right. So now, when you transitioned back to New York, you got into network marketing. You, the company folded. You, then what? So the company folded, um, and. I was being heavily recruited to a bunch of other companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, I got to a place where I, I just didn't want to do, like I, I went into one, and I just I realized like I don't want to do this. You I don't, don't want to bring people yeah. into the company. So I was in a place of stuck, right? I was in a place of stuck. I was working a job that I didn't absolutely love mm-hmm. at the time. And I was in a place of stuck. So I found a mentor mm-hmm. for me, right? And he was what I wanted to be mm-hmm. as far as the grind, the hustle, how he conducted himself. So I found a mentor. And I think <coughs> that's what kind of changed the trajectory of where I was. Like I always felt like I had the mindset, but I didn't have any guidance, right? Mm-hmm. Everything that I did, I kind of learned on my own, whether it's through study, through other people, through books, whatever that looked like. And once I found this mentor, I was kind of guided in certain directions. I was pushed to do things that I'd be uncomfortable doing, and that's when I eventually started to grow. Okay. So what business did you get into after? So I 
I started a, a web development company. Okay. And, you know, I'll tell a little secret. I actually put this in a course that I created, but mm-hmm. I, when my back was against the wall and I needed, I needed some money, I left my job at the time because, you know, my boss, we, we didn't see eye to eye, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> so I said, I'm going to go on a freelance website. It's called Upwork. And Upwork is very popular now, but back in like 2015, it wasn't as popular and it was mostly people overseas that were using it as far as people who were looking for work and the people in the U.S. were finding people to do these things. So I said, you know, let me start a web development company because the margins will be great. So people would go on, say, say, for example, you said, hey, I'm looking for someone to create a website for me. There would be a bunch of people applying. And there were mostly people overseas in like India and, you know, just over the, in Asia and stuff like that. And I said, how can I be different? So what I would do is I would do video pitches, right? I would I would get on the computer and I would record myself and I'd say, hey, this is Mike from Ignite Media Group. That was the name of the company uh, that I still have, actually, by the way. And, you know, I know you're looking for a website. Here's what's special about me. Number one, I'm U.S.-based. You'll have access to my cell phone. I'll show them my cell phone. You will... You know, you can reach me at any time. You don't have to worry about language barrier or time zone difference. And then I would kind of go through what they want on their site and tell them why I'm the guy to do it. And they'll say, wow, that's impressive. I never got a video. And they would hire me. And what I would do is I would go back to the same people that applied to their job and hire those people to do that work. And from there, I became a great middleman, right? I started building this company. I was getting two to three clients a month doing it. And again, no guidance, no really business like... um, acumen at the time Mm -hmm. i did it for a year straight until but then i eventually burned out because i had no no kind of contingency plan i wasn't building any more like once the work was done it was done and i'd have to do it again and i was doing like a hundred pitches like video pitches a month and i I burnt out i burnt out and that was the so that was the business i first started when i was in uh new york so i had that grow i had that going and then you know, I found the mentor, like I said, and he said, yo, what are you good at? And I said, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I did this Upwork thing, but I don't want to do it anymore. He was like, well, you need to do it and figure out what you're good at. And I was, because of network marketing, network marketing previously, I was, I was reading, right? Because in order for me to successfully lead a group, I knew I had to be a leader. So I would host these book, like these book club calls. We would read a book a month and... One day in December of 2016, mm-hmm. they didn't read. They didn't read the book like how they were supposed to. And we met every week. And I said to them, I said, I'm asking you, like, in order for you to get better and to do better, you have to, you have to consistently, consistently get better. Mm-hmm. And you have to read. I said, I'm asking you for 1%. Well, before I said that, I said, let me look at it. So I calculated and I said, there's 720 hours in a 30-day month. Mm-hmm. 720 hours. I said, it may take you six to seven hours to read an entire book, give or take. So I'm asking for 1% of your month. Not 1% of your day, not 1% of your week, 1% of your month. You can't tell me you can't take 1% of your month and do better. And when I said that, like I heard like silence on, like you can hear a pin drop. They, they felt me. And at the time, I had about six, seven, eight people at the time uh, l- listening on the call and I heard nothing and I was like oh they felt that so they got you know the next week they were good so that next month I, t- I hit my mentor up I was, he had a camera I said Yo, I, n- I want to drop a video because I think this is powerful 
did the same video, basically same premise. I'm asking for 1% of your month, not your day, not your week, to do better, to get better. I was animated. I was going in. I was passionate because I was speaking from truth, right? And yeah. when you speak from truth, it makes it a lot easier. Mm-hmm. And that video changed everything, right? It did like over 4,000 views in like two or three days, had 50 plus shares from someone who I had no following, no nothing. All of a sudden I go on Facebook and I have 50 plus shares, tons of comments like, yo, I'm feeling this. That was passion. I was like, whoa. <laughs> and then my mentor at the time, he was like, yo, that's, that's it. Like start doing videos. And from there every week in 2017, for the most part, I dropped a video every week. And that's what kind of became me being a speaker, right? Just mm-hmm. speaking into the camera, speaking truth mm-hmm. and being authentic about it. So everything that I was speaking about, I was speaking from real life. Like that 1% thing came, like what I'm good at is taking analogies and bringing them into real life where people can feel it. And that was, that first video was me speaking from my truth and what was there for me. And, you know, after I started doing those videos, that's kind of what started and what projected it. And then, um, you may go into that, but later down the line, mm-hmm. that's how the one percent mindset, yeah. you know, that company. Because I was going to talk about it, like, so you have a sweatshirt that says the one percent, uh, the one percent. Uh, it's a it's mindset, a- right? And uh, so you started a business from this. Yes. Yeah. I. <laughs> so January first video, I was doing videos for a long time. After that, that November twenty seventeen, uh, the person I was mentoring with at the time, uh, his name is Anthony. Good dude. He said. Let's see who's who's rocking with you, right? Who's rocking with you? Mm-hmm. Come up with a shirt. And at the time, I was like, all right, what is this supposed to say on there? Uh, he was like, I don't know. And I thought about it, I thought about it, and I went back to my first video. Mm-hmm. And I was like, the 1%. The 1%. It's a mindset, right? Like, that's the mindset you need. I believe yeah. everything starts from the shoulders up before it starts from the shoulders down, <laughs> right? And, you know, no matter what kind of success you have, no matter what, you know, what position you're in, you're always you get you're going to go through trials and tribulations, but you know the success starts starts from the shoulders up, and I was like the one percent. It's a mindset, and that's what I threw on the shirt. I had a designer develop, you know, create it, mm-hmm. and I put it on shirts, and then um, I put it out, and I was there. He's like, "Yo, make calls, see who supports you." Made calls, sent out texts, sold maybe like fifty in like twenty four hours, okay. right, and. No, no paid promotions, no nothing, just sold them. And it was, you know, it made me realize, like, yo, people actually rock with me. Like, they they feel the brand. They're feeling me. They're feeling these videos. Because if you didn't support someone, you wouldn't buy their shirt, right? Mm-hmm. But they felt the message. Yeah. And because they felt the message, they they showed their support. And, I mean, I think that was, that was the first thing. Now, with that being said, I don't want to make it seem like it was peaches and cream, right? Mm-hmm. So... I didn't know anything about the t-shirt business at the time. I just knew I wanted shirts. So I had a boy, um, and this is where the first piece comes in and had a boy who sold shirts in the past. So I reached out to him. I said, hey, I got a design. I have some shirts that I'm looking to make. Can you can you do them? He was like, yeah, I'll give you a good deal on them, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, quickly, not throwing him under the bus, but... It ended up being a bad deal, right? So I sent him the money through Venmo, sent him the money through Venmo, and for, say, the first batch was like 25 shirts, right? So I sent him however much money it was. I was going to make 
you know, maybe maybe like between eight to ten bucks, right? Give or take profit on my end. Send it to him, sent him the money. He goes ghost. He has the money already, he goes ghost. People are like, hey, where's the shirts? He doesn't give me any tracking numbers, nothing. I hit him back. You know, this was my boy, right? So I trusted him. I hit him back. You know, he hits me back days later. Oh, sorry, I was sick, you know, but I'm getting ready to send out the shirts, da-da-da. So he sends them out. And then he says to me, you know, I charge you really low on the shipping, but, you know, it's all right. And maybe next batch you can fix it. So I said, you know what? How much do I owe you? So I sent him more money to cover the ship, you know, what I thought was shipping costs, which, again, wasn't. Um, so the first batch gets the shirt. So the second batch, I was like, you know what? Just, you know, be real with me again. Second batch, he sends it. To, second batch, the same thing happens. This time, he goes goes for two weeks. I have people ask me for the shirts. What's happening? I don't know. So what I do, because I don't know who, who got their shirt. I have no shipping numbers, no shipping information. I reorder them under my watch. So any profits that I had, that I made, I had to reorder for the second batch and send them out. Right. So, you know, this money that I thought I was going to make, you know, going into the holidays, I was like, it, it was wiped out. I made nothing. Like, I actually probably had a loss selling that. And through that and realizing that and looking at that, I realized that he overcharged me for shipping. He um, overcharged me for shirts. You know, some somebody that I thought was my boy and that, you know, I was ultimately giving him business to. It didn't happen. And, you know, that was the first that was the first time I learned, I said, man, you can't really trust everyone, especially within business. You know, I sent it to him through Venmo. So it's not like I could call my, you know, hit up Venmo and like, hey, you know, he screwed me because Venmo is just, it's a, it's a cash sharing app, right? So you're not supposed to conduct business on it. If I want to do it, I could have did it through PayPal. And, but I know PayPal takes out fees, but that's how, that's how you protect yourself. And I didn't do that. So I end up losing that money um, completely. And ultimately lost a friendship, which is which is fine. It obviously wasn't a solid friendship to begin with, but um, yeah, that that literally um, that was the first hiccup in business, right? Not the only one, but that was the first time where I felt I said to myself, "Man, at the end of the day, the customers are first. They they trusted me to pay me, right? Although I got screwed." I can't lose the trust of all these people who believed in me because of one person. Mm -hmm. And although I lost, um, th my bigger goal was, was, was people. Um, so that's how it was founded. But even with the sh even with the success of what I thought were the shirts and selling all these shirts, it wasn't even a win for me. I lost, right? Like as far as money, I lost. Mm -hmm. And through that loss, I I learned. I learned. You know, obviously, I changed up my shipping stuff. Like I still sell shirts, not as much, but you know, that was a big, that would have been a really big, you know, big win for me, a, a pretty good money day, um, just because of how many, how frequently, how quick it happened. Now, let me ask you a question, right? Because there's a few things, you know, when when you think of that, right, sometimes, and this is with customers too, you know, sometimes the, the, the least expensive way, uh, the deal, the cheap way, you know, because it's cheap. You know, the word, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, you go with that option, right? And you end up always, majority of times, having to do it over. Something mm -hmm. because you're, that's the wing in it move. You know what I'm saying? Like, I tell people all the time, like, yeah, you could buy this for 
you know, uh, 500 cards for $10. Yeah, you could do that. But every time you get out your card, it's like it's going to crumble. It's going to rip up. It's going to be, it's really cheap and it's really bad. Mm-hmm. When you invest in, uh, when you invest little money, there's a reason why it costs little money. Yeah. When you buy things from China and or you buy things from overseas and the quality isn't as good, right? There's a reason why they're selling it for that price, right? And there's th- another thing called due diligence, right? So your boy sells shirts or he makes shirts. First thing I would have told you is where does he print the shirts from? His house? Does he have a warehouse? Does he print somewhere? Does he outsource the shirts? Like, you know, I'm not... Yeah, yeah, no, no. But I'm just saying these are the questions... Questions, yeah. I would have asked, you know? But you would have never known that because you trusted him. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, I'm this is my friend, so let me give the opportunity, right? Because he's not looking... He didn't value... The, he didn't value your friendship to that level where, because he could have been like, yo, bro, I'm, I'm sick. You know what? I'm going to Venmo this money back to you. Figure it out. That, you would have been mad, but you guys would have been friends still. Yeah, absolutely. Right? But because he didn't care that, you know what? I don't care about the 50 people who ordered shirts from him. I'm sick. I got to take care of me. Mm-hmm. Majority of people in this world operate on a selfless like selfish mentality it's me first then you Mm -hmm. right entrepreneurs good entrepreneurs operate on a selfless mentality where it's you first then me Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and that mentality sometimes gets you in trouble because you do put yourself first and you become a martyr and then when you kill yourself people will say well i didn't ask you to do that Oh, if there was a problem with the shipping, you could have just texted me and let me know. And being honest with customers, too. Like, you were just trying to, like, speed up because you were trying to be Superman. I've been there. Trying to be Superman for the customer to give them that shirt that they ordered. Mm -hmm. And you might have put a disclosure on your website, you know, shipping in three days. Shipping in five days or less. Mm -hmm. Now it's like, damn, you know, it's not five days. It's, it's, it's 10. So instead of emailing them and telling them, hey, because you don't want to look like you just, you know, you failed them. So that's something else too, man. Like being honest with them and just being transparent because it takes that weight off of you, bro. You know what I mean? So even though your boy was, you know, he did, you, you know, he did something wrong. At the same time, you were just trying to still fix it. Yeah. You know? Um, but lesson learned. Yeah. You know? But going forward, it's always good to know, like, people have print shops. People could have, like, there was a situation I had with some hats. People, uh, they were rushing. They didn't want to spend a lot of money. They wanted cheap quality hats. So we got cheap quality hats. They wanted, you know, they wanted a certain thing. They got it. When they got it, they were like, oh, no, we don't like it. So I'm like, you know what? Give me back the hats and put up some extra money and we'll replace it. That was it. And so, and it worked out 
before I would have been oh man, I would have been heartbroken. I I wouldn't know what to do. I wouldn't know what to say. But because I understand, yo, be honest, be truthful. Mm-hmm. If you don't respect it, then it's whatever. But at least I'm not going to. In business, you want to, Mike. You want to be able to sleep at night. Yeah. You want to be able to sleep at night. You want to be able to know that you you did everything that you possibly could to make sure that people who support your business, people who support what you're doing, and it works. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, do right, do good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Always do right. This will gratify some and astonish the rest. You know what I mean? If you have that mentality in business, no matter how much you struggle, bro, like, it, it will turn around. You know what I mean? So now, all right. So uh, going going past that, now now we're in 2018, 18, right? And we we uh, we sat down, and you were like, yeah, I want to write a book. And I actually saw you write this book. Now, everybody wants to write a book. I've never seen, well, I can't say I've never seen, but I've seen people write books quickly. But you turned that book over, you were on complete focus, and you wrote this book, right? What's the book called? The book is called The 1% Mindset, Survive and Thrive in the Face of Adversity. Okay. So now, let's talk about being an author. Like, the real, uh, the real, like, uh, author experience. How was it writing the book, first of all? Um, so I've always said to myself that I'm, I'm not a writer. I never write a book. And, you know, I have a book. So, <laughs> all things being equal... It, it was it was tough at first, right? And I think in order for me to, like, I started it in the summertime, and I kind of wrote, I stopped, I kind of wrote, I kind of stopped. But for me to actually finish the book, for it to be clear, I really had to get laser-focused, on, and that was by setting hard deadlines. What was easy, I don't want to say easy, but what was simple was telling telling truth right i was very authentic with all my situations i was authentic with the fact that um i had cancer and I had to beat that i was authentic with the situation uh that happened that i told that i just told you about with the shirts you know i was authentic with my relationship with my parents i was extremely authentic because i know that i'm not unique to any one situation right Mm-hmm. Everyone, not everyone, but people's had cancer. People's dealt with divorce. People's dealt with getting getting screwed. People, you know, there's my situation isn't unique, but I know that some people just aren't willing to share their story, or they're embarrassed to share their story. So I decided that it's important for me to share the story, but not only share, but figure, but really find that way on how I got over it or what I did to kind of get past it, right? Mm-hmm. And that exp- I, I said to myself, you know, I want to have this book out by. This time at the time I wanted to I wanted to be out by like December 3rd or something like that because I wanted to present my book with um, I went to a conference with Eric Thomas, ETB hip hop preacher and a guy by the name of Inky Johnson, Mm -hmm. two phenomenal speakers. And I want to present my book to Inky Johnson. Mm -hmm. So I said, I need to have it done at least a week and a half to two weeks before this conference. I can print it. I can you know get it proofread. I can make sure everything is done. Long story short, it didn't happen. But, well, I I finished it before December 3rd, before I went to that conference, but I didn't finish it in enough time for it to get proofread and, and printed, printed. right? So it was, was it disappointment? Yes. But what I did do was I realized that when you're so locked into something, 
you would move mountains to make it happen, right? I always said I'm not a speaker, I'm not a, you know, or I'm not a, a reader, not a reader, I'm not a, a writer, I'm not this, I'm not that. And I, I set limitations on myself. And for this book, I said, you know what? In order for me to get to the next step or to make it happen, I, I got to sit down and plug away and write this book. So I didn't, if I, if you combine all the time, minus the procrastination, it was done in a few weeks. Yeah. You know, to be honest, it was done in a few weeks. Yeah, I know. I remember (laughs) you came to my office a couple of times to write. Yeah. And I I was like, this guy is focused, man. I see him. But, um, okay. So you put out the book, right? So how's it going? Oh, the book is doing well. Um, it's on it's on Amazon right now, uh, and I had some bumps to the to this as well, right? Okay. You know, you got you gotta love the the journey of entrepreneurship. So, I released the first book. So there's two versions, right? Okay. The first version is it was I decided to put it on a six by nine, uh, at least a size book. So it's a, it's a little bit bigger yeah. than like you know six by nine is a standard, but there's like a smaller five version by five by yeah I think like five, five by eight. By eight. Yeah, so I put the six by nine on, and when I got it, I was like, "This is it, it feels too big, right?" Yeah. So especially if it's a thin book. Exactly, right? It was about twenty five thousand words, so it wasn't. So it ended up being about like a hundred pages, so something like that. Mm-hmm. I said, "You know, I don't, I don't like it." So I added some pictures to the book. Cause I didn't have any pictures. I added some pictures, relevant pictures, of course, not mm-hmm. just, you know, <laughs> uh, relevant pictures to the story that made sense. And I slimmed the book down to five by eight. I unpublished it on Amazon and I republished the five by eight one because they wouldn't let me like change the size. Comes out now. Now you you search on Amazon. Now there's two books, right? There's a six by nine version, which is the the one that's not updated and then a five by eight. So I'm emailing Amazon to this day, actually, and say, hey, you know, I want to remove this six by nine one. It's the same title. Like, it's just not updated. They said, okay, yeah, don't worry about it. I said, okay. They And Amazon now for sellers, they don't have any phone support. It's only email support. So I have to wait via email. So as of like maybe a week or so ago, the six by nine version, the unedited version was on Amazon. And then the one that I wanted people to buy was underneath it. But same book, same title. And I'm like, really? Email Amazon. So now they switch it, but they still haven't taken it off. People were buying the older version. So I had to like resend them like updated versions. It was, it was madness, but um, it makes for a good story, right? Because so many people think that, you know, when you, when you do like being an author, like I get, I got praised. Like, yo, if you know, congratulations, you, you, you know, all in 2008, I dropped the motivational album, mm-hmm. which did very well, very well. I did like a thousand streams in like the first like two, three days. It was some, thank you for my audience. Um, dropped the book, you know, I did so many different things. Uh, I had you know some speaking engagements, but I still felt unfulfilled, right? I felt, in a sense, that people thought more of me than I actually was. Mm. Right? I was at a place where um, I, I almost felt like a fraud, kind of, right? And not because I wasn't on Instagram flashing anything or doing anything extra, but so many people saw things in me that I necessarily didn't see myself. And not that I, I had low self-esteem, like I believed in me, but they thought a lot higher than me than, than I thought of myself. I was just, I was in a place of stuck so to speak. And 
I found myself, and I think I felt like that because I said I said certain goals, right? And whether that's monetary, whether that's a certain number of this, like I didn't hit those goals. But what people saw was just the fact that I got it done, right? And I think because I was in that place, you know, I just I I just never felt fulfilled, and I had to figure out what how can I feel fulfilled if I'm not hitting certain goals, like. To me, say if I'm gonna do something, like I always try to do it. Now, once I do it, like how are you going to market it? How are you gonna sell it? How are you like whatever that looks like for you? Um, and I think that that place that I was in, um, and I think that I'm that you know I still teeter in you know day in and day out, uh, comes just from a place of not feeling enough. Excuse me and. When you don't feel, it, it's it's a space that I think everyone gets to at some point, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't matter the income or the money because there's rich people who, you know, Mac Miller committed suicide last year. There's a couple people who committed suicide, you know, and they they can have all the money in the world. But where is your fulfillment, you know, coming from? Like what what drives you, what moves you? And if it's, you know, for some people it can be money at certain times, but... You know, if if you don't find that fulfillment, that space that that makes you happy, then you're always going to have doubt and nothing is ever going to be enough. And that's the place that I was in. Right. It was, you know, it's not enough. Yes, I did it. So what? Anybody can do it. Right. I'm not the only one that's written a book or came out with a motivational album or, you know, had a speaking engagement. Like, I'm not the only one. But for me, I was like, well, I didn't sell enough. I didn't make enough. I didn't, you know, I, I just never had that fulfillment point. So just finding my fulfillment point has been um, key for me for at least the mental health side of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's deep, man. Thanks for your transparency, bro. Like, uh, you know, a lot of people don't want to share, like, th- that part, you know? It's all about, yeah, I wrote a book. Yep, yeah, yeah, I'm doing great. Woohoo! Like, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. But just like, like you said, I'm not selling enough. I'm not, uh, you know... Uh, making you know, enough. I, just, I got, I'm not making enough. I, yeah. I, you know, like, we spoke... I got booked for a speaking engagement, and then the speaking engagement gets canceled. Yeah, right. That, yeah, and so um, that happened to you twice. Yeah, twice. I had two speaking engagements in February um, for a good amount of money, um, both of them, and you know they both got canceled. You know, and you know I st- I was counting my dollars before I received it, right? And I think that's something that we fall yeah, into. That's another mistake. Yeah, yeah, I've you know at least I don't. I'll speak for me, right? That's something I've fallen into more than once, mm-hmm. right? You get excited about it. A lot of people it. do that, man. Yeah. You and, know, uh, and that's e- mentorship again. You know, um, I had a gentleman, uh, Rob Flower, that was around me, and he would always tell us at sales, because in real estate, you make a lot of money. You mm-hmm. know, so the deals are not, you know, you close a website and it's not, you know, like you're making $1,000. You close one deal for the month. You're making ten thousand, fifteen thousand. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, of course, you're twenty, nineteen, twenty-one. Like you're young, and uh, you're spending this money in your head. Yeah. Like yo, once I get it, I'm gonna do this, this, and this, and this. And those guys in my office that would never close a deal because every time they started, they started spending the money in their mind what they're gonna do, and they they took their eye off the ball. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And they never leverage. So that's something too, man, because like when you when you start 
spending money that you didn't get or didn't close yet, you you get comfortable. It's a place of com- uh, um, uh, complacency, right? That's what really happens. You're like, oh, I'm good. I only got I got two speaking engagements. I'm not gonna look for no more. You know what I mean? Oh, I got two clients. Oh, I'm not gonna look for no more. And then all of a sudden, when those two clients leave or those speaking engagements drop leave or they don't, you know, they didn't sell enough tickets to pay you. Mm-hmm. So now, guess what? You're by yourself, and you're 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 alone, right? What you have to keep doing, and this is for everybody listening, you have to. Just stay, just keep going after the deals or keep going after and keep growing your business. Keep working on it. Absolutely. Without expecting it until, until it goes into the bank. You know what I mean? Because even when it goes into the bank, even in real estate, people in mortgage business, right? People could uh, refinance their home, go to the closing table, and three days, they have up to three days after to rescind. Mm. You understand what that means? Yeah. So, yeah. You're at the closing table. You spent an hour, two hours signing papers, and you, you're you just like high-fiving, taking pictures with the person. Like you probably gave them a bottle of champagne or whatever it is that they thank you. And all of a sudden, on the third day, 23rd hour, they call their attorney and say, I changed my mind. Yeah, no, I mean, it's tough. So you're it's like, tough. you get sick. Yeah. Because once you get to the closing, you're like, oh, this is good. They had a good feeling. You walk out and you start, all right, cool, I'm going to buy this, I'm going to buy that, I'm going to buy this. If you have a credit card, you start buying stuff on the credit yeah. card because you're thinking you're going to pay it at the end of the month. That happens to people. Yeah. You know what I mean? So my advice is don't do that. You know, I know it's hard. Yeah. But you have to have discipline and you have to you have to live within below your means, man. You know what I mean? Until it's, until it's at that place where you know what I'm saying. You, I'm not saying not to buy nice things. You know what I mean? Like we all did it. I did it. You know, I lost money, um, made money. I, I look at money as just it's not something I worship. I don't worship. Yeah. I, I get it. I lose it. I make. I make more. I lose it. You know, I spend it. I invest it. Whatever it is. Yeah. But you just have to be smart with it. You know what I mean? Like you just have to be smart and you have to understand as an entrepreneur, you're not getting a, a, a check every two weeks. Like a deal is not coming every week. Yeah. You have to balance yourself. You have to uh you have to put yourself in a place where you're just um where you're disciplined. You have to dis- you control the money. Absolutely. The money can't control you. Absolutely. You know what I mean? You have to understand that, bro. You know what I mean? Like you, you control the money. So you don't let the money control you. Don't yep. let, don't spend the money before you get it. Don't, don't let it do that to you. You know what I mean? Because then that's what's gonna make you go out of control. Like where it's like, damn, and you start questioning things. Am I doing this the right way? Am I doing this? Because then, because you, when something gets taken from you, especially when you were expecting it, now all of a sudden you start questioning it. Yeah. You know, and I, I don't even think it. Yes, money, uh, money's huge. Um, as far as that happens, I mean, like I said, for me, like I had two speaking, uh, gigs, and you know, they they got canceled, and you know, that was out of my control. I think self doubt hits entrepreneurs a lot when, not yes, the money thing, but just when you're when you're told no, yeah. it, it always does something to you, regardless if mm-hmm. that's money. You know, hey, can I have? 
can I have, you know, some water? No. Like, it, it does something to you, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. regardless. And I think really understanding that if you if you utilize no as not right now, it, it, it makes things better. But it's, you're human, right? It's it's tough. No matter what you're going to go through, something. You're like, I would say you're not immune to heartbreak. You're not immune to, to loss. You're not, you're not immune to these things. So how do you figure out a way to make it that whatever happens to you is just an event like it's just there and you don't create a story behind it right so in my head when i when i first lost that speaking engagement in my head i was like oh i can't believe she did that or you know i should have done this and you know i created all these stories behind it and what is actually there is i just lost the speaking gig right now you move you move forward to like what's next rather than dwell on what's happening in your life or in that situation at the current moment. And that's when you start to question things. And in order for you to to create or live the life that you that you so choose, you have to take events as what they are. It's just an event. It's, it's just, just an event. It's just something that just happened yeah. and you forgot how to move forward. And as I started to realize that it, it allowed me to really start to push or shift things and put things into perspective for what it is, right? And... You know, now when and again, saying that is not saying, you know, you're not going to feel pain or you're not going to be hurt or you're not going to like that's that's what's yeah, there. Clearly, yeah. It's but it's just how do you move forward from it? We tend to look at life backwards. Right. So if you're moving forward, you try to bring when you're trying to move forward in life, if you're bringing everything from behind you, like, yo, she doesn't like me, but whatever, like, you know, then it's hard for you to really move forward. Dude. And when you're move, when you're moving forward, anything in the past needs to stay behind you in exactly. the past. It's and, the past. Yeah, exactly. Right. And it's just hard because we tend to bring all of these things in the past in front of us and try to guide it our ships forward. It slows you down, man. Yeah. It's, it's hard to drive the car looking behind. Right. Yeah. So that that's when when that hit me. That's when I said to myself, I said, okay, you know, I, I got to I gotta change it up a little bit. I got to do something a little different because if I continue if I continue to look at things from behind, I'm never going to move forward. Uh, and I think that's kind of what shifted things, you know, for me and kind of helped move things forward because it truly is, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here saying, you know, the 1% is the mindset. You're going to go through trials and tribulations, but... You know, there's a reason mentors have mentors, right? There's a, there's a reason, you know, consultants have consultants. There's a reason because there's there's always a point that, you know, you're, you're you're trying to push forward, you're trying to move forward, and there's there's something that's not there. And you, as long as you have the right people to kind of guide you and to help you, it makes things, you know, that much easier. So, very true, very very true, man. I um, how do you balance? How do you balance like your business and relationships? It's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I, I think having having someone supportive is is important, right? Um, I've lost relationships, you know, because of it, and I I think that if you not I think what I know what I know is that if you don't have someone who supports you through it, then um, it's not going to work, right? The best, you know, the current relationship that I that I'm in is amazing, and. What she does really well is she supports, right? Even when I'm not looking, she's there. You know, I have your back. You can make it. Um, and I think that's that's important. It's a it's a lonely venture being a being an entrepreneur, right? There's mm -hmm. you know you don't have coworkers. Hey, you know, hang out. At, like it's when you <laughs> you gotta focus in. You gotta hone in on what it is that you want. And it's a lonely venture. And when it's lonely, 
you tend to ice you got to go into isolation mode so to speak right you got to isolate yourself from the world and what other people are doing in order to stay completely focused on what it is you want and have clarity mm-hmm. and you can't have clear like if you don't have clarity you can't visualize what it is you want because you're not even clear on it so in order to get clear you have to kind of take away the outside noise and be in isolation and that's skipping things and you know whatever that looks like so as far as the balance someone who's understanding yes you need to take time for your spouse or your significant other whoever you're with but they have to understand that hey this is a journey that i'm on and i do plan on seeing better times but if you follow me on this journey, I promise that the end result will outweigh all of the negativity that it may seem like we're going through currently at this time. Yeah, I love that, man. Let, let me ask you a question. Like, how do you. OK, so how do you come from. Do you find yourself now where you understand, like, what your purpose is? And so or are you going to like keep did you find your thing yet? That's a good question. That's that's a good question. Did I find my thing? No. I'd say no. And the reason I'll say no is because I think I'm I'm still evolving, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's so funny when 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 you're growing and you're getting into a space, you 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 go all in on something and if it doesn't work, you're able to kind of shift. A good example so we know Jeff Bezos as, you know, he's now probably the richest man in the world. I believe yeah. he kind of took that over and he created Amazon. But let's put things into perspective. So he wanted to create a phone, right? And for those who don't know, he the phone, it was a bust, right? He wanted to compete with the iPhone. The phone was a bust. It didn't work. But he spent all that time into that and all that investment. What he did is he shifted that focus and used the same technology for the phone to create Alexa, and now Alexa is one of the biggest things, right? That's there. So this, so as far as finding your purpose, you can be successful and still not know or still go in multiple directions, even though you go all in on one thing. And for me, that's how I feel. Like, I feel like, you know, I've gone all in on multiple different things and I've had to continuously shift to find that one thing, right? Because that one thing can be, can be huge and you know when i read that story about jeff bezos and and really the creation of alexa because there was a bust you know the his um amazon phone didn't work out i said to myself i was like you know that that makes sense right you got to continue if you you got to go all in on something if you wait to find a purpose to find a passion you'll never find it you know you gotta it's intentionality over uh mechanism right if you have an intention you you've you figure out how to do it later on. I forgot who said it. I believe it was um, the guy that owns uh, Virgin, that guys that owns oh, Virgin. Um, Sir Richard Branson. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I was having a blank. He said, um, if a good opportunity comes, say yes and figure out how to do it afterwards. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? Intentions versus mechanism. And if you if you can become intentional about what it is that you want, then the mechanics will follow afterwards. So have I found that thing yet? No, but I'm going to be very intentional on what I think that is. And um, the mechanics will follow afterwards. And if I need to have a shift after, I will. But I have to just be real intentional on what I think that thing is. Got it. Okay. One last question. So the show is called Faith, Grind, Inspire, right? 
which one of the three words resonate for you, like really sits with you, and why? I mean, they're all really, really powerful, right? Uh, I think for a year plus, I created videos to inspire and to motivate people. I didn't make a dime from it. I actually lost money paying, you know, the video guy, the producer, the mentor. Uh, but the whole purpose that for me to do it was because I used to get people that reached out to me like, yo, you're my unofficial mentor. That resonated with me. That meant a lot. Um, I love that. So I think inspiring or inspire probably means the most to me because Zig Ziglar once said, uh, find a way to serve the many. Service to many leads to greatness, right? And when you're able to serve people, I think that's the biggest reward that you can have is is service to people. And if your service is inspiring them, then that's what you should do. You should inspire them. And that's the only thing that I've done. Well, not the only thing, but that's one of the things that I've done that I never had like money on my mind behind it, right? I just did it. It was a service to people. Everything I told you, the network marketing, all these other things, I was like, yo, how can I make money, the insurance? But when I started doing those motivational videos, there was no money attached to it at any point. But because of that, I created a shirt and people felt it, so they bought it. I was able to get speaking engagements, but it was all because my main purpose was to inspire <coughs> people. So inspire is probably the biggest thing okay. for me. All right. I appreciate that, man. That's a great answer. Thank you, man. And that's your truth. And thank you so much for coming on and being so open and uh, sharing your story with our listeners. Uh, thank you. Uh, where, where can people find you? Um, so people can find me at, um, well, my business page is the T-H-E-1, the number one percent mindset. Um, on Instagram, my personal is Michael Ducille, Michael dot D U C I L L E. Um, yeah, so that you can find me there on IG. I'm very responsive on uh, both those platforms, and that's where you'll see a lot of like my motivational videos and uh, things that I've done is just through IG, really. All right, cool. So. Once again, thank you guys for tuning in to another great episode of Faith Grind Inspire Podcast. I am your host, Gene Alert. And, uh, you know, I want to thank my producers, Tim, Jamie, and uh, Brianna for always helping us out. Thank you to all our listeners on OG Podcast Network, Apple, Google Play, wherever you listen, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever. And uh, our YouTube uh, fans, right? We're yep. we're building that up. So I need you guys to continue to share, uh, repost. Um, thank you to all our peoples. If you know anybody, if you have any questions, contact us. Uh, podcast at faithgrindinspire.com. Peace. Yeah. Also, really oh. quick. Sorry. Oh, okay. I like to this thank cool. all the people. <laughs> uh, I did an IG live, so I like to thank all the people that showed up here. A ton of people showed up, showed love. I um, mean, just you know, thank you as well uh, for. For giving me the opportunity to, to speak to speak truth i think a lot of times people sugarcoat and aren't real for a lot of things so you know really understanding that life happens right C crap happens so what just in case my mom's listening uh and so whatever you're going through just know that you're not alone you're not unique to problem situations or circumstances so don't let your circumstances determine you know how you view things so thank you thank you guys oh so thank you man Alright, so Faith Grind Inspire, continue to inspire, continue to grind, and always have faith in what you do. God bless. Peace. Peace.
As usual, thank you for listening.